I'm Andy. I'm Rod. And who are we channeling today, Rod? another guest this is rapidly turning into the rod and andy invite a guest podcast in isn't it and i i was told it was a very special guest that we were really going to enjoy talking to so i I assumed it was going to be former prime minister gordon brown but it's not former prime minister gordon brown it's it's cozy it's one of our favorite students and i think while we're not allowed to have Favoritism amongst amongst our students. Every student is our favourite. When we're asked to name students that have done a lot for the school and a lot for representing the um, and being a a voice for the for the year, I would put Cozy up there, right at the the top. We wanted a voice for the year, a representative, and someone who doesn't mind Hmm. yabbering on. Yeah, and that that is not me over-egging it. As generally what I think. Welcome, welcome to the Rod Pod. Hello. Oh, that is such a lovely introduction. When you said you were going to be disappointed, I was starting to gear up thinking a bit rude. But, uh, oh, that's really heartfelt. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Well, thank you. What we thought would be useful for for this year's second year is if we had a chat about what the third year is actually like. Yeah, sure. It's really uh, it's stressful. Well, right, thanks. <laughs> that's it for this week. That's it. All right, we'll see you next week. <laughs> How different was it from the second year? I think it's mainly third year expects you to put a lot of things into practice. So second year sort of takes most of the theory and you're guided through one or two things. Whereas third year is you're expected to have a decent idea of what's going on and you are the one making the decision. I think generally main difference is just how much people expect of you of independent thoughts you know, second year is guided third year is more independence sort of pre- preparing for pre-reg so it is a it's a massive jump but i will say i probably enjoyed third year more than second just because you actually get to do things although maybe not under covid so yeah so things around us. it's not so much a jump up as a jump sideways yeah yeah i like that I think it's it's more a different way to use your knowledge. So second year, you have to write it down, whereas third year, you have to perform it. I think that's the main difference. It becomes more of the vocational degree. When you said perform, I mean, this is something we explore quite a lot. The, the persona who is the optometrist. Are you actually now an optometrist or are you still a student? Obviously still a student. Um, and I think a lot of the time people expect third years to know what's going on i'll be completely honest for most of third year i was just having a logical guess at most things and i I would tentatively say that's what the that's the point you 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 ask questions and you gain experience but this is starting out you know you're not expected 
to be a qualified optometrist at the start of third year. You're just expected to be willing to work towards it. And that's why you've got pre-reg as well. So it's, yeah, I think perform is maybe you're more performing to demonstrate that you know what's going on as opposed to being able to do everything completely on your own. Did it feel safe? Did you feel supported? Yes. I think clinical supervisors in third year are absolutely fantastic. And I won't name names, but there are, there are some variations in how good supervision is. Uh, but I suppose that also reflects different people's work styles. And it is a little bit of, uh, say, a, there's, a, there's a plethora of ways to supervise a student. And it, that reflects that particular optometrist's way of thinking. So the fact that you might see one or two supervisors all the time switching between them probably gives you more of a well-rounded idea of how best to practice um, and how to hone your own style, uh, which I think is actually quite quite helpful. I think, yeah, very supported clinically. Um, and academically, you get a lot thrown at you. Uh, but again, I would say the, the staff in Optom, and I'm obviously quite biased because it's the only course I've done, but from talking to other people on other courses, they are above the rest. The staff genuinely do care about your about your progression and about your student experience. Um, testament is the fact that these podcasts exist. I think it, it really is. Yeah, it, it makes me really happy actually to to have chosen Cardiff. One thing that I'd imagine a lot of the 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 third years or the, the, the incumbent third year are worried about is the, the professional clinics getting to meet mm. brand new real, I nearly did inverted commas, but they are in genuinely real members of the public. What was your experience? What was, what have you, what advice would you give to the incoming third year about those clinics specifically? Um, I would start by saying just prepare your notes. Don't, you don't need to overcomplicate things. No one's expecting you to dredge up half of neurophys again. It's more about preparing for what you might see and thinking to yourself, okay, what's a logical explanation for what's going on? My first real patient, as in an actual member of the public who didn't know anything about optometry, actually went smoother than I thought. Um, and I think that was mainly because I kept thinking to myself, okay, what would I logically do next? And so long as I'm friendly to them and I know what's going on and I give them a prescription at the end and I've checked their health and I'm happy, then that's all it takes. Don't, you know, time management is a massive thing in those clinics, but don't weigh on it too much because it's more important that you know what's going on and that you've performed everything and that you've actually gotten reasonable results instead of just saying, oh, I definitely saw that when actually you didn't, because that's not helpful to anyone. And if that was a real patient, you would have missed something. And then that gets really unsafe. So yeah, my, my main advice is just prepare, go back to the basics, go back to like a first year sight test. You don't have to do anything fancy. You don't have to do binocular refraction. So long as you get to the end your way, then that's what's most beneficial for you. Actually, you've had a successful episode and have fun. I would say it's probably going to form the basis of the next 50 years of your life being in a primary care clinic. So enjoy it. Genuinely get to know your patient, have a laugh. And even if you are, uh, if your stomach's doing somersaults inside, 
just have a go. And most of the patients are absolutely lovely. And they will they will appreciate you more for having a go and showing how much you care than they will if you, than if you were flippant and tried to get rushed through to the end and you missed bits out. And obviously all the patients know that it's a teaching clinic. So do you feel they are there to help you or they're there because they get the test for free? To be honest, probably a bit of both. Um, I've done a couple of patients who have come to the clinic because they know it's a teaching clinic and they want to show people what they've got or they want to, they, they know that it's going to take a bit more time and they actually appreciate that. You know, it's not everyone in the world wants a sight test to take an hour hour of their time but every so often you'll get a patient who really likes the idea that there's some thoroughness there was about two or three people checking their health i remember doing a contact lens teach on my first ever child she was seven years old and she was in myopia management lenses and the whole teach took about two hours you'd never see that in real clinic but in a teaching clinic was fab i got experience of pediatrics she was really happy she was laughing we had a great couple of hours Time management out the window, but it that it was more about the patient experience and everyone learns. So I would say, yeah, people come to the clinic, yes, because it's free, but also because they want the thoroughness that comes from two or three people doing the same thing. And they want to help. These these patients know it's going to take longer. If if they wanted a fast sight test, they'd book in for a private one. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a really that's a really, really good point. And I think that's something that that I would I would emphasize as well. I think particularly the last bit, if they wanted a quick test, they wouldn't be coming to the student clinic because they're told when they book the book the test how long it will take and, and that, it, that it's to support the students. And like you say, the vast majority are more than happy to say, yes, I'll come in and I'll and I'll help. So it's, it's really good to hear you say that that's benefiting you guys as well. That's, that's a really positive, positive thing and that you are you are p- picking up on it. What about the specialist clinics? What sort of experience were those for you? So things like BV, perhaps, or, or special assessment, because those are fairly different to what you've done before. Very different. Um, and they were different again this year because of COVID. So unfortunately, for previous cohorts, and I hope you guys, when you're listening to this, will have this on your horizon, uh, actually saw special assessment in person and they saw BV in person. We did not this year. Um, the replacement for Zooms and case studies, it just is what it is in a COVID year, I suppose. Annoying, because I'll be completely honest, I was so looking forward to it, especially special assessment, just because it's so different. And it's sort of a key, key sort of unique selling point of Cardiff, as opposed to other universities to have such an established special assessment clinic. But I would say even with the case studies and Zooms, just go into them open minded and think them through logically, ask whatever question you want because that proves your engagement and how much you care about the subject. I'd say as much as it's important to know everything that's down in a lecture uh, and in the learning material, the show how, how to prove to your academics or your supervisors that you're engaged is the fact that you're asking questions. Even if they ask, even if you think they're stupid questions, they're not, because it's a question that someone else will have had to ask at some point to have the answer to give you. Like everyone at some point is going to have to ask something that they're not comfortable with or they think is too trivial. Just go ahead. Like even if you end up being spokesperson for your year, as I sort of did in a lot of the Zooms, it, it is what it is. You, you got the knowledge that you wanted and you feel more prepared because of it. There's no downside. Go into them with an open mind. 
that's a yeah that's a an interesting question because you know like you've said a lot of the stuff has been done online this year and i suspect online will, will be will be happening in some form or another for for a good few years to to, to come mm. did it being online and you said you you were the spokesman of the year did you, did it make it easier for you to say that spokesman role or was it more difficult it was probably harder hmm. i think because in my opinion online interaction is very difficult because it feels intentional if you were in a lecture theatre and your lecturer asked a question, you pop your hand up, you say something. If it's not quite right, everyone's forgotten in 90 seconds because the lecture's moved on. You do that online and you type a response into the chat bar and it's not quite right. It stands there as glaring evidence that you didn't know what you were on about for the rest of the lecture. And I think that really does make it hard to interact online because people are afraid of being wrong. Uh, and quite a lot of the time I've asked something or I've unmuted myself uh, to the shock of a lecturer uh, who was expecting everything to be in the chat bar. And I've asked a question and it, I haven't got it quite right or I've, you know, I've had a go, but it was better to have had a go because then I learned because I now know the right answer instead of someone just yelling random facts and figures at me. So, uh, yeah, I think it's harder online, but to a certain extent, it helps hone communication skills to have that level of confidence to just put something out there because as soon as you do someone else will also have an idea they'll feel a bit bit easier and if suddenly everyone is able to contribute that's interesting because i feel some of what i actually did was better for being online ideally going forward i'd like to keep some of my lecturing online but have a lot more in person obviously go back more to what we were but in in terms of that, just standing at the front and giving you facts, that's as boring for me as it is for you. That for me, an online forum where you can do it at a time that suits you, the asynchronous side of it, I feel the quality of what I was doing was better. Do you feel that's a workable model? Do you feel that as a student, you would like that? Honestly, yes. Um, I mean, I, I think my opinion is probably very different from everyone else, um, but... When I go to a live lecture and I'm sort of scribbling notes down rapidly, I'm less likely to go back and properly revisit it and write up my notes in inverted commas just because I've already been to it once. If I do a lecture asynchronously, it takes me longer, but I'll do it properly first time. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy to admit that there are a lot of lectures which, if they were live, I've left the writing up until a lot later just because I forgot or I didn't have time or at least if you go through it once it might be a bit dry it might be it's hard to motivate yourself for for online stuff you know that's the sort of flip side to it being at a time that suits you is that the time is never going to suit you no one wants to work but similarly the first time I did it I went through it properly and my notes were better for it but then supplementing it with in-person stuff or anything to actually ask questions or try techniques out is, is how you ingrain it, I would say. That, that in-person contact is still critical. Yeah, and, and being a vocational course where you deal with people, I think that is an essential part. Mm. We're saying about not being afraid to ask questions. And it's very interesting when you said you felt time management was important, but you didn't mind running over for the patient. For me, that, that strikes right to the heart of being in practice. You, 
you prioritize your time appropriately for that person that is in front of you at that time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I know that there are a lot of business models is sort of in the real world, if you are as an optom will, will not let you take two hours per patient, unfortunately. But at the same time, that patient is probably going to stay at the clinic for life because they mm. know that you genuinely care. And that's probably the, the biggest tip I can give to anyone going into the clinics, just prove you care and that you want to be there. And that will translate through to the patient and they'll be fine with whatever you do. As long as you don't poke their eye out or anything. They'll be fine with that. You think? Yeah, you do it in a caring fashion. It'll be all right. Oh, yeah. yeah. The caring way to create a concave cornea. I don't yeah. see anything wrong with that. It will be absolutely fine. Put a snare. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You don't need to. Goodness sake. Um, no, no. Um, I think that, that, that's a, that, that, that was a really profound thing to say. And I think if... if you show the patient you care. It also helps you care about your job as well. And if you care about your job, it never feels like a job. If you, I mean, assuming that there is the possibility that people that are just entering year two are listening to this one, um, what would you have done differently in year two? What would you have spent more time practicing? Or what do you think, I worry too much about this unnecessarily? So, so for me, second year, I struggled a lot because of how much there was to learn. I think that a lot of second year is is kind of abstract. Um, I mean, I, I say this in the presence of when we talk perception. You know, it's it's as abstract as it gets, uh, and it's not the easiest thing to learn. But at the same time, it's interesting because of the lecturer, uh, and that and they make it they make it worthwhile. But there, there is a lot to learn. I would have planned far earlier so that I had a massive. There's something I did when revising second year and I did it at the start of third year and it helped massively make an absolutely massive mind map of every bit of content that you expect to cover that year and start having a look, you know, tick it off when it comes up in the natural course of the year, decide if you're happy with it. It just helps you see where the gaps in your knowledge are. And so when you get to final revision towards the end of March ish, you actually, you feel a bit more prepared. I felt a lot more, level-headed going into third-year exams than I did second year because I prepared more for them and prepared on what I was going to be assessed on, hmm. which, uh, yeah, second year was a, a little bit messy for me, but it is what it is, and I learned from it, and I'm still here. <laughs> I wouldn't change it. So. I, I think that's a common experience that it, people have in the second year, which is one of the reasons for asking that question. Mm. It is an awful lot of book work and knowledge to ground you for seeing patients but then as you say the third year brings it all together mm, or tries at least <laughs> what would you say to fresher cozy oh i don't know actually a little bit of me wants to say go out and enjoy it more because i was very nervous as a fresher um uh, but at the same time i'd, I'd say you know, just keep your head on your shoulders be logical about what you're doing because um, I, I mean, I, I work late into the night regularly, um, just because that happens to work for me. I saw that my schedule is, is what it is, um, and I'm oddly productive at one a.m. However, that's not fantastically healthy for exams season, and so find something that works for you, and and then carry that through. You've got first year, I suppose, to sort of settle in, work out what your work schedule is. 
And as much as I shouldn't be advertising this, it doesn't count towards the final degree. So you've got that opportunity to find out what works for you so that you can really hit it hard in second and third year, if, if that makes sense. No, I, th- I think that makes that makes that makes that makes perfect sense. I think that's very, very insightful. I think, yeah. Well, I I, I have to give the the official uh, university line of yes, it may not contribute to your degree, but that means you should you should still be be working in your first year. Ultimately, I think what you've said is a very sensible approach to the first year. It is it is about self discovery, a little bit about and about what works, and you can. You can overcome a poor first year much more easily than you overcome a poor second year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Are you excited about pre-reg? I am. I was about to swear. Then I, um, I'm I'm nervous but oddly optimistic. Like I I'm looking forward to doing stuff in practice, um, and I'm looking forward to just having a go. But at the same time, I know it's probably going to be harder. Than all three of the years previous to it, uh, and I, I think I'll probably stick with my my work. The way that I help helps me work is write everything out at the start. You know, have a massive spreadsheet of all the competencies and and start working through and keep on top of everything. Um, now that's sort of the massive the, the massive tip. Just don't don't fall behind. I know it's the least helpful thing to hear if you are already behind, but perhaps going into a new year now, you know, just set some time aside to remember where you are and keep keep pace of everything i would agree that pre-reg is work but it's different work um and i would throw back to you the comment you made to fresher cozy in that it's not as bad as you think and don't be as nervous as you actually are because you'll cope and it, it's different work and we, we've talked to a few pre-regs recently um it's different work it's mm. enjoyable, it's rewarding because you are seeing people and, and having spoken to you and knowing you, I know that you get a lot out of that. Um, and there's a massive boost from people liking you and, and thinking you've done mm. a good job. And it's it's the natural progression of, of building that independence that you've been build, building in the, th- in the first year, the first, in, in, in the first three years. So, you know, you, second year is you're building your, your confidence with the theory. Third year is building your confidence in a in a supported clinical environment now it's building your your confidence as an optometrist so you know and this goes out to to anyone that's worried about 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 the pre-reg think of it in those terms it's building on what you already know it's not something completely brand new as much as it feels like it i mean what one of the comments we had was from from pre-regs was how much support they actually received from all of the practice staff Mm -hmm. and and they were actually quite surprised how much the support staff contributed to the the help they got the feeling of being part of the team and the patient management side of things that's that's really lovely to hear Mm. i mean i've done i've done a few saturdays now in my pre-reg practice just to sort of get used to it get used to how they work admin wise just makes it easier instead of being thrown in testing and actually not knowing what happens to information etc uh and a lot of the staff are just incredibly supportive. And I, I think to a certain extent, learning what the support staff do and how you fit in is probably helped ground me in terms of knowing where I stand and how to practice in that practice. Mm-hmm. It also helps you 
direct your learning a little bit as well and prepping for your your, your assessments or what you were doing because colleagues may may not be happy with me saying this but you'll learn that there's a fair amount of dispensing you'll never need to do because the dispensing opticians will do it and there's a fair <laughs> amount of pre-screening you may never need to do once you're out of pre-reg because uh, the optical assistants will do it and things like that <laughs> um, so while you need to know the theory and the basis but behind it working with that other team will help you focus about about like you said where you fit where your interpretation comes in and how you align with with everybody um plus there's always biscuits in practice oh definitely oh i can't wait then biscuits and a cup are on a or hope you you will find that the reps that come back a lot and that um, are allowed to make appointments are the ones that bring gifts normally Mm food-based biscuits or chocolate Mm-hmm. And you'll get very happy patients when you do a good job and you will do good jobs um, who will always bring in a little something, packet of biscuits for everybody, pack a box of chocolates for everybody. Yeah. That's happened already, actually. I had I had a patient where I, I, I taught them contact lenses. Again, took ages, uh, but was worth it. And I got a box of Maltesers out of it from their mum. And I was like, I've got this. This is really... Yeah, you've got them. It happens. Yeah. I didn't think it would, but it does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little lift that you get. Yeah, you'll get you'll get those you'll get those lifts. You'll get the tough days, but you but those those good days make it make it better. Usually with chocolate and biscuity based <laughs> treats. Mm-hmm. We've covered a lot of ground there. Is there, is there anything else that we need to talk about? Do you think? No. In that case, thank yeah. you very much. Thank you very much. It has been thank you. It has been it has been a pleasure as always. It has been an honour to be invited onto a rod pod. This is very, and this is where obviously you tell me that everything that I say is going to get edited out, and actually it's just going to be you. you we'll turn the recording off, and then we'll tell you all of that. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Ah, yeah. right. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Really, we've actually recorded three and a half hours. That's what everyone listening doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and we spend three weeks editing it. All the the, yeah. the oh, various. Oh flights of fancy all the swear the, words swear words serial killers the interruption oh, yeah me watching my pigeon hating neighbor I'm, I'm quite pleased i managed not to mention that my neighbors at the end of the close were moving a whole washing machine during that i, well, I wonder why he looks so distracted but that makes a lot of sense. i realize that i look out the window a lot but it's because there's always something going on and today they were loading a washing machine to the back of a car <laughs>